Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Hello, welcome everyone to the Distraction Reviews on Tuesday here on Fightful.com. I am Jeremy Lambert, joined as always by the Joseph, Joseph Holpert. Wow, that's an interesting nickname. That's not one of those New Japan nicknames that gets like lost in translation. You know, you just have to try and make sense of it. I'll take it though. Um, today is a very, very uh, daunting day, Jeremy, but we are here. I have many notes, as you know. And this becomes a test of how much, like, you know, how better prep works for me this time than in part one of our draft, right? That's what today's test is about, and I'm looking to pass it. That's all I'm going to say. Tuesday here on The Distraction, we review movies either starring wrestlers or having something to do with wrestling. Last week, we reviewed uh, the main event on Netflix, which was a WWE film starring Kofi Kingston, who never misses a cage match. A couple weeks ago, we reviewed the Big Show show, um, and that's kind of what set this whole thing off in order. People seem to enjoy that stuff, so we're like, eh, not a lot of wrestling to talk about. Let's talk about movies involving wrestlers. And this week, we are here to talk about a true classic, Joseph, a true classic, The Chaperone starring none other than Mr. 25 Years, Paul Levesque, Triple H. <laughs> well, firstly, I mean, I don't know how far you want me to get into this, Jeremy, but I want to ask straight up, was this film anything like you expected? Because I had only ever seen the trailer, and I was convinced it was a comedy. So this was a very confusing experience for me. I thought it was a comedy as well. I don't remember anything... <laughs> I only remember seeing the trailer, although it was released in 2011. So I remember seeing the trailer all those years ago and WWE pushing it hard. And yeah, I thought it was this comedy about Triple H. He was a bus driver and he's, uh, you know, going on a field trip with his daughter and then hijinks and shenanigans ensue. It got deep. It got real. It was just not, there was not. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to say it wasn't without humor. There was moments of humor, but none of them involved Triple H, as far as I'm aware. I watched the film once, so we're not watching it again. But I'm not even, do you know what, honestly, I'm not even going to say it's a bad film. I mean, it's a bad film, but it's not like a horrific motion picture. It's just just average bad. But I thought it was going to be like a, a terrible comedy. And maybe it was such a terrible comedy that I didn't know it was a comedy, which would be a real <laughs> feat when you really think about it. But, I mean, honestly... I was just watching it in awe of, like, this film, I'm pretty sure whoever put together the, like, campaign for this, the advertising campaign, just didn't watch it. Because it was nothing like I'm, I was aware of it, kind of, existence as a comedy. And I'm tuning in, it's just a generic studio's action flick. But it was real at times, Jeremy. You're correct in saying that. Triple H stars as Ray, Ray Ray, Bradstone, a reformed criminal. He's been in jail for seven years. He gets out. He, he wants to reconnect with his family, his, his ex-wife or girlfriend who has uh, moved on um, with a new man and his daughter. His daughter is the, the key figure here. Uh, Ariel Winter, Triple H putting over the young talent. Ariel Winter would go on to be a big star on Modern Family, all thanks to Triple H. And trying to reconnect with his daughter, 
also gets pulled back into the the life of crime, but gives it up so he could be a bus driver. <laughs> Not be a bus driver, but <laughs> gives it up so he can just spend more time with his daughter and prove that he has left that life behind him. Kind of, yeah. <laughs> I mean, he walks out of prison. Now, firstly, I want to ask you this. So, did you laugh at the first shot of the film, which was prison Triple H with his hair? With his, his beard? On his... Yeah, yeah, his big, thick beard, and he's like... I was like, this is going to be good. I was already in at that point. Now, I didn't know about the convict angle, Jeremy, I must say. Um, but he doesn't – I mean, he wants to shed this past. He, he informs – you know, he's walking out and he says, I won't do anything stupid. And then he takes his friend's car, who was the hero of the film, right? Does that immediately. Um, and then, like, just a bunch of awful things happen. And he's immediately ready to be a criminal again, which rules. He's immediately back in, um, which is, you know, as the protagonist of the film – it's just explained to you that, like, things ain't going great, right? Like, why not at this point? And then he makes the incredible choice. Now, I'm going to say this, Jeremy, it's a claim. I think this is the only time in Hollywood history that a man has been in the midst of being the driver for a robbery and then instead becomes the chaperone for a field trip, and it's legit like a 100 metres walk from one to the other, <laughs> right? There's not a big swing here. He makes a decision, boom, and he's there, which was innovative, if nothing else. He he does go back to a life of crime pretty quickly, but you know he was shunned by everybody. What else did he did he have to do? He tried to get a regular job, and people were like, "Nope, we we can't have you doing this stuff," or else he didn't understand the jobs that he that he was supposed to do. So he tried it for a day or two, I think, to to really reform himself, and everyone just kept telling him no. And so finally, he said, "Screw it, I'm just gonna." rob banks again because it'll help with money i i don't think this was a bad thing what his end goal here was get money so he could spoil his daughter and then show that he's changed and everything and that's how you win her affection but he had to get money and the only thing he knows is robbing banks yeah well he's a very interesting character in this he's um just plain ray he's not ray ray right jeremy <laughs> he's just plain ray um because he's well read and it's explained to us that he's a pretty intelligent guy, right? He's like, you know, he's, he's got a, a view of things, a philosophy, but he also makes some, some interesting choices. Like he comes to the first time he goes to kind of see his, um, his ex and his daughter, like he takes a teddy bear and he just seems befuddled that she's aged in the six years. He hasn't, <laughs> he hasn't seen her. He seems so confused at the notion that she would have grown up in this time. Um, she's obviously unimpressed by the teddy bear. She's also unimpressed by the mention of a secret handshake that, as the audience, you just immediately go, okay, they're going to do that handshake at some point, aren't they? <laughs> yes, they do, folks. You can tune in for that. Um, I just, his character was in, they wanted to do a lot of different things with him. Um, but the well-read thing, I must admit, was, I thought, hilarious throughout. The way he would pull these quotes and stuff was just tremendous. Maybe they could only watch cartoons in prison. And so, you know, nobody ages in cartoons. So that's why Triple H just okay. assumed that. Yeah, maybe. No and what about the, the theme of him calling into the radio show? Yes. This, uh, uh, who did this lady, it was like Margot Martindale. It, that's not who it was, but it was like dollar store Margot Martindale of who the, this lady was supposed to be. But this plays a big thing. He calls into, this is how he changed his life around. He kept calling into this radio show and giving updates and the lady was, you know, it's trying to steer him on the right path and everything. And this became, you know, how his, his life was saved by the end of the film. Uh, you're right. They did try to do a lot of things of they wanted to show that he was on the right path and had someone given him a chance, then he wouldn't have had to go back to the bank robbing. Yes. I mean, there was a, there was one point in the film where he was actually like being searched for by the police and he still called into the radio show and he's like it's going pretty good with the door right now you know like and he, i was like wow this is interesting but that did all come back right like it, in the end we found out someone was listening to this show jeremy it just didn't seem like it for the first two hours of the film this is an important life lesson for anybody in wwe that if you have these ideas you want to pitch and they keep telling you no don't go you know don't just give up on that don't go back to that previous life keep pressing forward and eventually someone will hear your ideas and your daughter will want to spend time with you 
yes, yes. Um, I I love the obvious angle that. Like of course he his part in the crime was like minimal, right? And like he's the driver. He was the honourable guy. Yeah, but he but I love the part that he was like the honourable guy and he didn't rat him out even though he definitely got screwed in the deal. That was I thought just of course. Like it was he was a reformed guy, but he still was never really a bad guy. That was the whole point all along, right? And he's the whole thing, Jimmy, it's really all just a vehicle for him to explain himself. Right? Now he has learned a lot. Um, in some ways, he's forgotten lots of things, too, in the sense that he just makes many mistakes throughout the film to the point where I didn't know if he was making mistakes on purpose. Um, and nor did the, the criminals in this film. They thought they were being kind of hoodwinked at one juncture because he was making so many mistakes, it felt like he was pulling them off on purpose, which was impressive. That That's how much they respected how smart, I guess, he used to be, <laughs> is they were like, oh, this guy... We think he's going left, he's going right, but what if he actually is going left? But, you know, he was throwing them off all, all the way. My favorite one was when, so Triple H, he, he leaves the bank robbery, he tosses the keys into the bush, and then he just joins uh, the his daughter on this field trip. But they've got the money with them, and the criminals are trying to get the money back. And he sees them across the street, and he's got the bag in his hand, and all he wants to do is give this money back. And instead of just, like, setting it down and being like, all right, I'm going to set it right here. Once we leave, come across the street and get it. This can all be over. It turns into this whole ordeal where he's like, aha, fooled you. And then he doesn't, they don't get their money back. And then five minutes later, he's like, I just want to give you the money back. Like, dude, you had your chance just then. Yeah, I mean, the criminal was very incredible, too, because <laughs> when he left the car as the driver for this job, their initial plan uh, without a driver was to just sit and, like, play yeah. it cool. Even even though they had all the evidence there and there was no driver or keys in the car, they were just going to sit there and be like, nothing going on here, officer, nothing going on. <laughs> but I assume we were supposed to be aware, like, aware of how dumb that was, but all three of them were with it for, like, ten seconds, right? They were all in on this plan. One thing, one side note, Jeremy... Has NXT ever had a wrestler called Marvin? Because Triple H found that name to be hilarious in this film. I don't think NXT has had a wrestler called Marvin. But once the office listens to this podcast and reminds Triple H of all of this, we're going to see the debut of Marvin pretty soon on NXT. He just found it hilarious, right? (laughs) He couldn't get over the idea that he'd been replaced by a man named Marvin. Which I just, I mean, his name was Ray Ray as a criminal. Like, I, just, I just found all of that to be, to be fair. And there was a lot of just strange touches. Did you like the little montage when he was looking for a job and he like scoffed at smart cars? <laughs> and, he goes, <laughs> and he was at the meat shop. No, no, he was talking about meat. What yeah, was the they, deal with the meat? Where he, was, carry yeah, on. he knows about meat, but they didn't do anything yeah. with meat. Like they were all like strictly plant-based stuff. This is why Triple H wanted to bury Daniel Bryan so many times. He's like, get this plant-based stuff out of here. We're about meat here. Uh, yeah, he didn't understand any of it. But this is what I'm saying. He tried. It's just, the see, Triple H, he doesn't think anything aged. He thought when he went into prison, everything stayed the same. Seven years ago when he went into prison, no smart cars. There was no no vegetables. It was all just gas and meat. And seven years later, the world has completely changed. True. Teddy bears are no longer effective <laughs> presents for daughters and stuff. I just, I love the, um, I'm going to be honest, I don't think Triple H was terrible in this film. I thought he was fine. He basically plays Triple H for Tao. Um, but there was the best Triple H acting moment in this, as from a comedic standpoint, for me anyway was when he saw he saw his place on fire and he did he did like a wry smile and the guy was like, Fire's funny to you? And he's like, nah, just ironic. <laughs> I was like, that was strange. I mean I understood the point of it was it was all burning down and everything he owned was of now no use. But his attempt at pulling it off, I just thought was here's a question, is he a better actor than the big show? Uh no. No, the big show's better than Triple H. Wow. Yeah. Is he better than Mark Henry, Mick Foley, Rikishi, all of them guys? He's not as good as Rikishi. He's better than Mark Henry and Foley. Wow. <laughs> he wasn't that high on Triple H's performance in this then, though. No? I, I didn't think his performance was bad, but look, Rikishi in the big show is a pretty high bar, all right? So it, Triple H can yeah. be an eight, but if they're a nine, he's still below them. 
Okay, I want to get into the, the kids of this film. So it's immediately established in the scene where they're all getting onto the coach, right, that, like, there's, like, four character stereotypes that are in use in this class of kids, right? Like, you've seen them before. You've watched any film. You've bumped into kids. There's the overprepared one who's, like, a little bit of an irritant. There's the, like, kid who has explosives in his backpack kid. <laughs> He's in this. There's, like, a vain girl. There's um the daughter's crush who's just, like, a nondescript cool kid that isn't a dick, and that's his whole character. And they don't really, they just kind of give you a little bit to be like, yeah, you've seen this character before. Okay, fine. We're not going to go in anymore. And then at the end of the film, without jumping too far ahead here, Jeremy, like they become pivotal pieces of this, right? Like incredibly important. You didn't need to know much about these characters. The one scene on the bus where they're kind of introduced, my favorite one was the, the vain girl. She's talking about like lip injections and stuff. And this, you don't think this is important information. But by the end of the film, you realize this is a major plot point in the entire film, the, this lip injection discussion. I legit don't know, like, and I'm not even saying this is a bit, that lip deal may not be a thing you could do in films, like in a film like this in 2020. Because it was like, like the, the bit was that she was just dumb for and her lips injected, right? Am I missing something? Or was that the whole bit? And it was like, of course it went wrong. Ha, screw her. It was like, whoa. It was stiff. I mean, she didn't mean any harm, right? Like, I just found that to be a bizarre choice. I don't know if that was a time thing. She's not that old, this film, right? It's like a decade, maybe. Yeah, must them. I just, I just thought it was. I don't know. Maybe I'm. Maybe I've become too sensitive in my old age, Jeremy. But I just thought it was a weird angle. It was like, yeah, what a fool. She wanted her lips injected. Good for her, looking like a dog now. You know, like, I was like, wow, it's a bit stiff. I think the the lesson is you are beautiful the way you are and you don't need all these injections and things. Yeah, well, I don't know if Triple H is the character to be leading the, like, stay natural thing. But anyway, that's another thing for another day. Um, how great was the uh, the flashback to him teaching her how to drive and it was like, wonder if that's going to come in use, folks. You know, like... <laughs> She I wasn't just, very. She immediately was running red lights and everything. I'm pretty sure she couldn't reach the pedals in the first place. Um, I, I, you know, I guess she took after her father, and she's just a great. The thing is, Triple H a great driver. Like he didn't really pull off any cool, you know, moves that you would see on like. <laughs> You, when you have these action movies and stuff, when it's uh, what's the what's the film? Baby Driver. You've seen that movie, Joe? No, I've not. No, okay. I've seen The Chaperone, though. <laughs> <laughs> Baby Driver, we know this guy's a good driver, and you get all these scenes of him like weaving in and out of traffic and, and like going over ramps. I don't know if that's in the film, but definitely the weaving in and out of traffic, doing some drifting, making these sharp turns and stuff. It's like, yeah, this guy's like a top driver. Triple H is just a guy who just can drive a car and so they're like this is our driver he's really good yeah the only he has a license that's like, his qualifications of being a good driver he has a license because his only scene of actual driving that we really get is when he leaves the driver when he takes the bus himself right? yeah and only makes the sudden escape and like, i think they try to suggest that he's like really good because he's going super quick and he doesn't crash and i think that's literally the only evidence <laughs> we have that he's good at driving which i guess in its own way is a feat um, but yeah, I think, I think that's about it. But what did you, um, think, what I loved about this character was he was good. He was one of those characters that's good at everything. But what about the little side plot with the, the teacher who was, who wanted to get with the other teacher? He was suffering, he was struggling after a divorce, correct? And he goes to Triple H for a pep talk, right? And Triple H, a man who has been in prison for six years, <laughs> is just an absolute loser in life at this point, gives him this speech about like, this is how you show you're a good listener to a woman. And it, like, works a treat. And it's like, wow, this is just... I mean, this is, like, just a vanity project at this point. He's just the coolest guy ever, even though he has no, like, vocation or life whatsoever. This is what I'm saying. Prison reforms people. This is proof that the system works for anybody who doubts it. This is proof. Triple H gets out. Yeah, he almost got pulled back into the life of crime, but he didn't. And on top of all that... He's he's very smart. He's book read, as he, as you said. He knows about relationships, even though he's you know he screwed up his own. Um, and 
it, the system works, Joe. The system works. He's good at everything. So you're saying it's a propaganda film, is what you're saying? <laughs> yeah. Okay. I I did like the uh, the scene in which the lead villain, whose name I totally forgot, Larue, maybe Larue, was it? Sorry, right. I, I will tell you. His name is uh, yeah, Philip Larue. Larue. Yeah. Okay, so he there's a part of the film where he wants to find out the schedule for this trip, and he calls the school. <laughs> And I spent this whole scene unsure as to whether or not we were supposed to think LaRue was smart or the dumbest man in the world because <laughs> he's going back and forth with the head teacher. But it's like, and he just, he suddenly realizes, oh, yes, I can use my friend's name because his kid actually goes to school <laughs> and he gets the whole schedule. So I don't know if it was just a battle of two dumb people or they were both smart. I have no clue. I had an issue with them using insulin to, uh, to get this schedule diabetes is a a real issue in america and it's not something that should be joked about or used for the gain to steal thousands of dollars um so i did have an issue with that particular scene okay i'm sure (laughs) it makes sense i'm with that um back to the triple h is good at everything in this film uh thing him being well read translates to him being the greatest tour guide in the history of dinosaurs. Right? <laughs> dinosaurs. He knows everything about dinosaurs, and he's he's so impressive that everyone in the class is like popping at how good he is. They're like, oh my god, he's so good. He this... goes from being like a disciplinarian to being like a motivational speaker, speaker to being like a genius. It's it's some amazing stuff. My favorite part is after he does, like the kids are being rowdy on the bus and Triple H is like, shut up everyone, like get in line, follow in line, like we're not doing this. He does the whole, we're going to turn this bus around type deal. And, and the the teacher who is played by uh, the voice of Lisa Simpson, all you can do is hear that voice uh, while she's talking. But she's like, we can't do that. We can't yell at the children. And Triple H is just like, this will work. Don't worry. This will work. Just trust me. And then this is why everyone trusts him because this work and then all, as you said, he's got the, these dinosaur knowledge so he can lead this whole tour and then he can give relationship advice. This man just, he knows everything about the world because all he's had to do the last six or seven years is read a bunch of books. Sure. This was his like movie recreation (laughs) of that video where he showed up on tough enough that my YouTube suggests I watch every single day. You know when he shows up and he like cuts the big promo on him about the business? This was him doing that to kids on a, on a school. By the way, Jeremy, we forgot a major plot point about him being a good driver. There is a sign that he's a good driver, and my notes here remind me of it. Because he's driving very quickly. His daughter comes up and she says, Dad, slow down, you're scaring everyone. He says, it's fine, it's fine. And when she's walking back, he zigs the car <laughs> to make his daughter fall into the lap of her crush. And then he does this sort of grin, and that is our actual evidence that he's a good driver because he times his turn so suddenly that his daughter falls into the arms of her crush, which was just wonderful. That's not only good driving, it's good parenting as well because yes. he knows he knows his daughter has a crush on this person, and so he sets it up beautifully to, to make it happen. So Triple H is a, a great person in this film. He's lucky that in in prison he read about dinosaurs and stuff, and they just happened to be going on a field trip to like the dinosaur museum. Can you imagine if he was reading about you know Japan, and then they they went to this dinosaur museum, and he's like, oh yeah, he wouldn't know anything. He, he spent all his time reading about geography and stuff that has nothing to do with dinosaurs. So he got very fortunate there. <laughs> He was. He gets lucky. I mean, what I appreciate about the car scene is, like, he he takes a hit there, right? Like, that's pretty selfless of him because he's really sacrificing his reputation as a great driver purely for the sake of his daughter. The rest of the bus doesn't care or know about this stuff, right? They don't care. But um, what did you think about the little music spin there, the little route where we we learn about, like, he impresses her and he starts talking about music with her and then it just they start crying because it gets real again. But for like two minutes it just becomes a film about his musical taste, which I thought was an amazing turn. <laughs> I'm shocked there wasn't more uh, Motorhead and Lemmy mentions when he was talking about the music. That was the most disappointing thing was I was just waiting for him to, to break out some Lemmy mentions and just wasn't there. Did Marvin marry his ex in the end or did he not? He didn't get a chance to propose because of what happened and he, and she found out that he was in like wanted 
and all yeah. that good stuff. But we never got a resolution to that, right? We never got that kind of completed, that whole arc. No, I think uh, she went back with Triple H. She did? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. And I've got notes. <laughs> I've got notes and I didn't know that. I've got to say, I mean, this is where we've talked about this enough now for me to get to like, the conclusion for me. Like, I thought at like, the hour and ten mark, I was like, this is not actually a terrible film. Like, this is actually fine. It's not even bad. And then the last half an hour, I thought was, like, just horrific. I thought it was <laughs> terrible. And all of the stuff with the kids, like... So I have to ask this, because I'm legitimately confused at this, and this is not me struggling with layers. This is me just losing concentration. Like, Triple H actually does pick up the wrong bag, right, for this handoff. Or am I, am I missing something here? No, he did. So, so here's the thing, and you got to pay attention to the details here, Joseph. When Triple H, when they park at the hotel, Triple H is like, all right, yeah, I need the, what is it, like a green duffel bag or blue? Mm -hmm. It's a duffel bag of a certain color. Yeah. Um, He's like, I need that bag. There's two of them, very similar. There's two of them in the below storage compartment of the bus. I noticed this immediately, and I thought right then, oh, those are very similar bags. He's going to get the wrong one. So he gets handed the bag, but then he opens it up slightly, I think sort of checks it. I don't know how much he was actually able to check it, but you know, he opened it up slightly to give the impression that he checked it, gets to his hotel room, opens it up fully. Yes, it is the, it's the bag with the money. But if you noticed when he was getting hand the bags, there were two very similar and I noticed that Mm -hmm. and I thought that's going to come into play at some point. And it, and it certainly (laughs) did. Because when he gives the the money to the bad guys, or when he gives the bag to the bad guys, it's all like dress clothes or, or clown. It looked like it was one of those like never ending, uh, what do you what do you call it? handkerchiefs that clown pull out? Like that's what it looked like was yeah. in this bag. Um, I just want to know, you know, he brought the bag up to the room, and then they have to evacuate the hotel and stuff. And this is when I figured, all right, well something's got to be wrong. Did they like go into his room and grab all these bags? And stuff like how did they know this bag was in this room when they're trying to evacuate the hotel so the daughter could go get the bag? I have no idea. I lost all track of like <laughs> understanding what was going on. Like I really started to struggle. I mean, this happened after that, what you just mentioned, but like the scene where the police are aware of what's going on, they come and they see the kids, right? And then the kids are all together. And like one of the boys is like, I need to go to the toilet. And they're like, you can't. And he goes, I really need to go. And they're like, okay. And he just walks in and sets explosives off in the toilet. And when a film like this tells you that a kid setting off fake gunshots in the toilet is not a big deal, all bets are off. Right? Like, and then you go from that to her driving the bus, which is – this is very scary stuff, Jeremy. I, I was not prepared for where this went. And at that point, I was gone. So the bag thing – that had already thrown me off. I must admit, I have no idea how any of that happened. It does certainly the plot to get to save Triple H, the kids to save Triple H. It does get very complicated. But even before that, yes. even before that of, you know, he has this great talk with his daughter and everything. And it looks like they're on the same page. And she goes back to the hotel and then she sees him on the news like, oh, he's a criminal again. And then she's just like, ready to hate him again but then he's like no you gotta trust me and she's like okay what can we do to help you out here it it was all it was like it was three months of storytelling in in three minutes yeah there was like it did this thing like most films at least they kind of follow the obvious pattern i'm no film guy jeremy but you know i'm talking about right like the traditional pattern this one did this thing where like every time you felt like you was going up the hill like it just knocked you back down yeah and like the scene before that one it did it well, they were sitting at dinner and it was like, oh, these two are really bonded now. And then she was like, you was horrible for six years. You're an awful waste of space, Dad. I hate you. And it was like, okay, well. And then they were laughing again. And then was the scene that you discussed. She walks in, she sees him on the news. In fairness, I understand her age a little bit here. Because there was, I mean, this was a incredible play here by Ray Ray, playing old Ray, right? Because he, I mean, he legitimately does like a chase with his old criminal powers through <laughs> In the midst of a school trip to the point where after the dinosaur speech we mentioned, not even a speech, a tour, everyone's a big fan of his. 
And he sees his pals and he's like, that's it, it's over. And he hits the fire alarm. <laughs> he commits so many crimes during this film. And then the kids start committing even more crimes. And the conclusion is that one of the guys is like, nope, it was on the radio. He's totally innocent and has done nothing wrong this whole day. And I found that to be, sometimes these things get way out of hand. And this one definitely did. I mean, look, pulling a fire alarm, having possession of the money, even if you weren't the one who took it, you had possession of it and didn't like take it to the police or anything. Uh, driving while very underage, commandeering a bus, setting off explosives and saying that it's a gunshot. All of this pales in comparison to actually robbing the bank, Joe. Like that's the big crime. So everyone else, they turned in the big criminal. You know, it's one of those things of, they don't care about the smaller people. You can snitch on whoever. You can cut a deal for yourself. As long as they get the big fish, they got the big fish of who robbed the bank. So would you say that the the actual conclusion of this film was not only is he not a criminal anymore, he couldn't be one if he wanted to be because he's so incompetent at such a thing. <laughs> because, like, he could die so many times during this film, and in the end he relies on, like, some Home Alone booby traps from his kids that he just met. Like, that's pretty strong. <laughs> Um, my favorite part, you know, we mentioned the radio show and they got the whole climax of the film on air, right? They aired all of this. About, yeah, they got the school. No, he didn't do anything wrong. Yeah, all that stuff. And I loved the the host, whoever her name was, I don't remember. It comes through and like the first words you hear are like, um, okay, don't shoot them or something generic like that. And she just immediately goes to, I think we have a crime in progress here, guys. Just stick with us. <laughs> like, was there no thought in her mind of like, this, maybe we should like figure out what this is. It was just immediately, we have a crime in progress. Everyone be quiet so we can listen into what's going on here as these people nearly die. There was gunfire and stuff. She didn't seem to care. I don't even know. Like The audio was muffled at first because the phone falls out of his hand and they move a couple feet away from the phone. And when they're first trying to listen, they can't hear it. But then it just comes through loud and clear. I guess they started talking brighter. Did you yeah. expect Triple H to hit a pedigree? In, in the fight scene. Yes. Yeah, me too. I was yeah. very disappointed. And there was multiple scenes where I was like waiting for the pedigree. Like, yeah. The one when he comes out in the toilet, you know, when he's waiting for him in the toilets and he does like a punch and it's like, oh, he's setting up for it now. And he didn't. He never did. And he never worked the leg for 25 minutes, which may be why he never hit the pedigree because apparently they're linked in some way. I learned this over his 45 world title matches over the last uh, 20 years. A lot more than that, actually. <laughs> I, yeah, I, if only he only had 45 title matches. Exactly. I was waiting for it in the, the warehouse scene where it gets sent to the warehouse. This was stupid as well is this was zigging and zagging for the sake of just zigging and zagging. We're going to send you to this warehouse to set you up, even though we want the money. And if you just went to this warehouse and gave us the money, it would have been over. But then we're going to kidnap your daughter. So now we have her. And it it was just very complicated of what they were trying to accomplish here. Um, but in the warehouse. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card Bill. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Fight scene. I was 100% expecting that pedigree to come. And I was I was disappointed, but also it admired Triple H for, for not doing it. Because he could have, Joe. He could have just been like, I gotta yeah. hit my pedigree here. And he's like, no, 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 I'm not gonna do it. I think it would have killed a man on film, and that's why he couldn't do it. True. I, I tend to agree because I remember, I'll never forget the damage it did to Booker T at that exactly. WrestleMania match they had. And that I was mean, in a wrestling took ring. Him away. Imagine exactly, this on, yeah. on concrete in this warehouse. 
did you like read into this film at all, Jeremy? Because I did a little bit, and I found this rumor that, and I don't. Even, this might not even be a rumor. This might be actually true, and I've just not looked into it enough to confirm it. But like, apparently, this film was for Batista, and Triple H was like a last-minute step in, which makes this infinitely funnier to me in so many ways. Batista would have been awesome in this film, way better yes. than Triple H. <laughs> 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 I like our podcast in that just anti Triple H propaganda, right? I liked that the um we're bouncing around the place and this is the way it should be. We're reviewing the chaperone guys, come on. <laughs> but you know we discussed how like the radio show cleared him totally. Like he's getting cuffed. And then the other guy says, you know, we heard it on the radio. And my favorite part, I think the daughter was like he did keep his promise in like an overjoyed celebration when the cuffs came off, and I was just sitting there like Wow, like that one, everything that happened in this film, Jeremy, okay, the fake explosives, the driving of the bus from a like, child, everything that happened, if he doesn't just dial the radio, like this whole thing was for naught, right? He still gets arrested. <laughs> but he made this one decision to call the radio, the same station he called when he was actually like on the run without knowing he was on the run. Um, that changed everything to the point where his daughter was totally vindicated by this decision. She was, and when he goes over to his ex-wife, she slaps him twice, and he's like, "No, did nothing wrong. Don't you talking about? I drove a bus, but he didn't do nothing wrong." <laughs> he no, he admitted that you know he deserved those slaps though. Yeah, the daughter was like, "He's innocent and whatnot." I don't think it was the radio show on that. Like Larue said, "I did everything." The daughter was present yes. for for that conversation. The radio show cleared him for the cops. You know, if 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 the radio show wasn't going on and the cops didn't hear that, even if, you know, LaRue wasn't going to admit it then, even if the daughters were like, you know, he was with me the whole day and all this stuff, it doesn't matter. You're not going to listen to this little kid who commandeered the bus or anything. You're not going to, you're definitely not going to listen to to Ray Ray. So the radio show yeah. cleared him from the cops, though. The daughter is the one, she heard it from LaRue straight from him. True, but the, what I'm saying is the celebration came in, like, sudden response to the cuffs being taken off. Like, I'm wondering if that never happens and he just walks out and gets arrested, does she still say, he kept his promise, he was oh. great, he never was a bad person. You see, like, that really was, after an hour and a half, whatever it was, of chaos and carnage, it all came down to this one tiny little radio show in which, <laughs> in which his innocence was cleared. Like, I'm with you, it's cool that she knew, but the way that the, the cops, the both of them were kind of like, one of them had the cuffs on him, the other one said, nope, just tuned in, folks. He's innocent. I've just downloaded it on my podcast app. <laughs> He's in the clear. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know if her, if the daughter would have would have celebrated. I think she would have. I, I think I think it was just movie magic of she wanted to celebrate right when the cuffs came off. But I think if he had been hauled away, she would have she would have filed a protest. She would have filed a complaint. Uh, she she would have been like Stephen Avery's lawyer and just gone through all the evidence to try to get him off at trial. She definitely would have been a witness and everything. This this is why we could have had the chaperone part two. It could have just been the whole trial of Ray Ray Bradstone and the daughter is there crying, being like he was innocent. He was with me the whole day, telling me about dinosaurs and music and uh, teaching me how to drive again and hooking me up with my crush and stuff. And they could just recap the chaperone in the chaperone too. It was an amazing film. How did you feel about him becoming a radio host to end the film? <laughs> right, full circle moment. He was now the guy on the radio, and Larue called him up. Huh? What a turn of events, Jerry. Larue seemed like he was struggling a little bit in prison. I want to know because I, I actually went back and rewound this scene. The only scene I rewound like ten <laughs> seconds into the movie. Uh, okay. Triple H hits the guy with a phone in the opening scene. Did he get extra time for that? Um, I have, See, I didn't know that happened because I don't think I was, like, tuned in at this point. I may have been open <laughs> my section, um, but I would hope so. I mean, it, it was it was framed like he was near the end of his sentence, though, was it? Yeah. Like, that's where it felt to me. I mean, I was, in, I was impressed by the way he shaved, by the way. We should mention that. But he gets out and he has just a pair of scissors and he goes from having like an actual full beard to just being totally clean shaved, which I thought was a feat in itself. But yeah, I would assume he had time added, Jeremy. I would assume so. He just removed the glue from that beard. That that was the most obvious, this thing is just glued on kind of beard I've ever seen. And I it looked really bad. Like we've seen Triple H 
grow this facial hair. We know what it looks like. And this looks somehow worse than that. Yes. Um, I do need to say this, Jeremy. I, do you know a lot about how these films usually perform in terms of the revenue they generate or oh, any I'll of that stuff? I, I was trying to look yes. up... Um, <laughs> I, I was trying to look up Batista being in The Chaperone. And I see stuff... You, you okay. know I did this film, I Spy. This might be... Or My Spy. We might have to watch this next. It seems like it's very similar oh. to The Chaperone. Oh, God. We should watch a Batista film because... I mean, Batista's okay. awesome. Yeah, you're a big Batista guy. I, I respect that. You're not? What's right. wrong with you? No, I'm I'm just a Batista guy, but I'm not a big one. Like, okay. You're a big one. I respect that. All right. Well, it I happens, mean, right? Like, when, it comes, it is, when it comes to the Batista, it's got to be big. Yes. So are you... <laughs> Have you seen these box office numbers, or would you oh, like me to read them? To I, I will. I will tell you. I'll tell you in just a second. Um, I, I keep getting this pop up hmm. on my phone, and I'm so I'm done with it. So forget it. I'm not even. Gonna... All right. So the okay. box office numbers this... for the Chaperone. It did. It had a three thousand or three million dollar budget. So very mm-hmm. very low budget. I'm gonna let you guess what the box office number. I I I'm, guess this was in theater. I thought it was straight to DVD. Yes, this is my confusion. I saw this and made a note of it. Okay, and I was gonna ask you. I mean, I'll get out of the way. It is fourteen thousand dollars? Like, okay, okay, that is yeah. insane. <laughs> and I was going to ask you, like, what <laughs> is this like a common thing? Because I've always heard they accept these as losses, but like. I feel like that is an insane number. That feels terrifyingly low. But I have no clue if this is just the norm. I don't know. I thought this was just a straight to DVD. I don't remember this being in theaters. I can't imagine. Well, apparently no one did if it did 14,000 at the the box (laughs) office. But I can't imagine someone going to the theaters and being like, it's a good day to go to the movies. I'm going to go see The Chaperone starring Triple H. Like, who's thinking like that? That was what I was interested in throughout, like, because these films are, and no matter what way you cut them or whatever, however you advertise them, what they basically are is, how much do you like a wrestler? Is it enough to watch them do a bad film? That's what these are, isn't it? That's it. At the end of the day, it's, that's it. That's all they are. And while a lot of people like Triple H, my thought throughout was, and this is my question, is he the biggest star in wrestling history that still has legitimately like five people in the world that would want to watch one of his films? Because I feel like most people that have watched this legitimately did it for the purpose we just did it for, which is to try and dunk on it for a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so that's my question. Is he the most popular star that isn't actually popular in the sense that people will go out of the way to watch a terrible film we made? I don't – I mean if Shawn Michaels did something, he's done some movies that I can't imagine people actually watch. I don't know if he was the major star of those movies mm. though. Like he did that, that – uh christian film or whatever it was that just came out a few years ago but even this was like retired sean michaels 2011 was still like every there every week triple h right um what was triple h doing in 2011 i don't recall this is when this is the first year of his undertaker double year like thing so i don't think he's like he's probably just stopped being full i'd say he's just stopped being like every week he's more becoming like the executive guy because 2011 he did the punk stuff right sure i I have no memory punk did the thing where he took a shot at this film do you not remember this jeremy no but this sounds fantastic okay so what happened was i think he said something like about a real movie star and triple h's response was how did your movie go Okay, he pulled that card on him. And CM Punk said, I don't know. It went straight to DVD just like yours. This was like a big dunk at the time. This was a big deal. But, I mean, now that I've seen the film, I'm very angry at CM Punk because this deserved better than that, right? There's some stuff in here. It didn't need to be taken advantage of on Monday Night Raw, Jeremy. <laughs> this this film's got a bad rap. This film is a very solid 4 out of 10, Jeremy. A very <laughs> solid 4 out of 10. And I'm introducing a rating system right now for this very show that we do every Tuesday this is a very solid, four, the kind of 4 out of 10 that I will not budge neither to a 3 or a 5. Very <laughs> solid 4 out of 10. Um, it didn't, it wasn't in theaters. Apparently it did 
279,000 worldwide. New Zealand, okay. big fans of the game. They <laughs> um, they did 248,000 in, in New Zealand. So apparently this was in theaters in New Zealand, and it made two, nearly $250,000 in theaters. This is fascinating. <laughs> we... We have got to delve into the New Zealand. How many? Okay, here's what we need to find out. And I don't know if you can do this right now, Jeremy, but this is saying, in general, we need to do a case study on. Has Triple H worked a match in New Zealand? I assume yes. Has he ever lost in New Zealand? You know, like, what are we, what are we dealing with here? Because I don't know how often they run New Zealand. They obviously do Australia quite a bit. But do they ever actually just tie New Zealand up with those? I don't know. No, they... I honestly have no idea. They do nowadays because I actually, yeah. the, the news came out today that they were supposed to have an Australia-New Zealand tour in August, and they've had to postpone that because of everything going on. I will check Cage Match because that's where you okay. go for any type of wrestling need like this and see if Triple H ever worked in New Zealand. I like that all of these film and TV reviews end up with us back on Cage Match for <laughs> some sort of stat. But last time, has Kofi ever had a Cage Match? Yes. On pay-per-view last year, guys. Yes, did. <laughs> yeah, we really didn't need to use Cage Match for that. We just didn't have any memory of it. <laughs> I'm still not sure I do. I just remember the finish. That's really about it for me. But yeah, Triple H in New Zealand is an interesting one. I'm very fascinated by this. All right, Triple H. Let's see if he has worked in New Zealand. <laughs> Triple H has Specific done... Specific trivia. He has done one match in New Zealand. <laughs> it did take place... Before the chaperone. So he okay. was a big star over there. A tag team match. He teamed with John Cena to defeat Randy Orton and The Big Show. Wow. This took place in 2009. Wow. Uh, July 2009. So New Zealand saw Triple H as the real star of that tag team, right? That's what my takeaway is. They saw him as the real star of well, that franchise player tandem. Maybe, like, we would have to see what the Marine did in New Zealand. True. And I think that's what we're going to look up right now is how big did the Marine do in New Zealand? I feel like the Marine is a much bigger film, though, right? Has Cena not got more like a ter- more of a terrible studio? Um, Actual film they released. The Marine was like Cena's. Like, I don't know. I might first, be wrong. The Marine is like Cena's first like film, though, wasn't it? Like he wasn't. He wasn't yes. really in anything else before then. What was the second Cena film? Um, Twelve rounds. Oh dear. Yeah, I don't know. I I feel like the Marine is going to have a hilarious gap in terms of box office numbers compared to the Chaperone. <laughs> Oh, the Marine was. I really two- do, but... the, the Marine came out in two thousand six. Jesus, so John Cena wasn't even a star yeah. in New Zealand in two thousand six. Oh, well, maybe Cena wrestled uh, a match before then, but yeah, twelve rounds. Twelve rounds came out in two thousand nine. I don't know if it was before or after this New Zealand match came out. It came out. Uh, let's see here. Wow, that could be a big swing. <laughs> Uh, it came out March 2000, so it came out before this match in oh. New Zealand. Very disappointing. What did it do, though? Let's see. I feel like it did much better than this. No, you're wrong. 68,000. So, John Cena, wow. when they came to New Zealand uh, for that Raw House show, John Cena wasn't viewed as the star. Triple H was the star in that tag team. I would argue that you know, possibly Cena was the least star of all of them, right? Because Randy Orton's my favorite. The Big Show has a Netflix show, and Triple H has the chaperone. So they all have something in their favor in that kind of encounter, right? Yeah, what, what has John Cena ever done outside of wrestling? Who'd he ever beat? Who'd he ever beat, Jeremy? They ain't celebrating ain't no 25 years of John album. Cena. They ain't celebrating 25 years of anyone by the looks of it, but apparently <laughs> someone has been for 25 years. I'm not celebrating, but yes, you're correct. When would 25 years of Cena be? Is that like, that's a long way away, I feel like, right? 10 years away, probably. A little bit less. I feel like John Cena has been around for 25 years, and I say that as a big John yeah. Cena fan, but he's been there yeah. for, seems like, for a while. 
you could tell me that Seth Rollins has been there for 40 years and I'd be like, yep. <laughs> that's fair, yeah, actually. Yeah, that's I'm... very fair. <laughs> yep, yeah, yes, I agree with you. I remember. I remember when he came in and he worked Bruno. I remember all that stuff. It was good, yep. Yeah. You can convince me of anything at this point. Guys stick around for a very long time. It is very weird when you like look at the gap from 1990, like take 96 to 2001. 96, the NWO forms. 2001, WCW's out of business. And then you take the gap from, you know, that that's a five-year gap right there. You take the gap from 2015 to 2020, I swear nothing's changed in these five years. Yeah, it's interesting. It's very odd. Like, and the thing that's really become fascinating is, like, mid-carders, their, like, life kind of round in WWF was, like, two, three years. And now you have guys like Cesaro who have spent 10 years in basically the exact same position. <laughs> Dolph, same thing, like... Miz even. I mean, Miz is obviously higher than him on the card. He's reached higher. But what I'm saying is there's no like, end point now, right? Like, if you're talented, they just keep you on forever and ever, it seems. Well, recently, you know, some things have changed. But still, generally speaking, it's that way. It is weird. Like, Sheamus has been the same guy now for 10 years, right? It's wild. He's gotten some haircuts and things of that nature. Well, yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, I agree. But it's still, you know, generally speaking, I don't think when he cut the hair, I'm not sure the ticket sales kind of jumped up. And, you know, I think people was still, it is still Seamus, in fact. The entrance is a little different. The hair is different. But it is still Seamus. It's just, I don't know. The business has changed, right, Jeremy? I mean, you told me that once, didn't you? I That's think you did. right. That's, yep. we need t-shirts <laughs> that says that. Uh, I need to we push do. for those a little bit harder. Um, anything else with the chaperone, this award-winning film, Ariel Winter did get nominated for some like young actresses award for her work in this film. You're she kidding did, me. No, she didn't win, but she did get nominated. What did nothing else come out that year? <laughs> what was the, I mean, I'm not knocking her. I just like, this was, it was just nothing. Look, I, I'll say this for it. And this is my most positive review. I didn't think it was offensively bad. That's the first thing I would say. And I thought it was better than the main event. So take with all that information what you will. The last 30 minutes give me a headache a little bit. But other than that, I thought it was great. So, yeah, I mean, it was fine. Solid four, Jeremy. What's your rating, Jeremy? I need a rating. Let me tell you the uh, the Ariel Winter Awards here so I can be fair to everything. Oh, so she was, she was nominated for the Young Artist Award. <laughs> for best leading young actress in a feature film joe they titled this a feature film here's who she was up against in 2011 all right she was up against uh i i can't say her name sorzy ronan from hannah i feel like that name's familiar i'm gonna know none of these people l fanning you know who l fanning is it's dakota's sister you know you know dakota fanning is Oh my gosh, Joseph. I oh know. This is not my forte, believe it or not, Jeremy. I never thought we'd cover this on the rest of the <laughs> podcast, you know? I thought it would be a spin off, perhaps, down the line. But no, I, I don't think I'm going to have a lot of to add here on this awards uh, lineup. Jordana Beatty and Chloe Grace Moratz for Hugo, who ended up winning. Chloe Grace Moratz beat out Ariel Winter. Wow. I Bravo. think Ariel Winter was snubbed. Yeah, I mean, I'll say sure. Yeah, I mean, she. <laughs> I I must say I got absolutely nothing out of her performance in this film, but you seem to think she was good in it, and the awards suggest so, or the nominations suggest so. So I am now going to just say that this may actually be a five. I'm going <laughs> to go off my solid four oh and say it gosh. may be edging, edging, already changing the rules. Here. It may be <laughs> edging into five because I obviously missed some kind of award-worthy performance. So. I don't know. I mean, it's very difficult to grade these things, as you know, Jeremy, right? The... Someone should start grading wrestling matches, Jeremy. <laughs> that would never upset anyone. Someone should come up with a system and rate every match. That'd be awesome. The award ceased to exist two years later. So I think because Ariel Winter <laughs> didn't win. I almost had you with a spit take there, which would have been amazing if that happened. You really did. <laughs> because your delivery was so flat on that. It was like, ceased to exist two years later. Like, it was like you was reading off. That was terrible. I give this film a two and three quarter stars, Joseph. Two and three quarter stars. Wow. That seems... 
Assuming you're using the other scale, is this out of 10 you're doing here, Jeremy? That you don't know. This is my own system. It, it might start as okay. a 5, and then there might be a film that just blows us away where i got to give it a 7. Then, But then there might be something better that get, I need to give it a 10. So you don't know what the, the system really is with the star scale system. So it's a two out of yeah. two and three quarters right now. Two and three quarter stars. I mean, I can't hate on that as an Elixir Bliss fan. That's like the most <laughs> common number I've ever heard. So that's like my favorite stuff. So sure, man, you liked it more than me, obviously, right? I'm, I'm all in on that. That's fine. I like that we have different systems, though, Jeremy. Compare and contrast. I like it a lot. Uh, it was better than the main event. I, I would give the main event probably one and three quarters maybe two yeah. i think two because of the kofi line like that on its own is a quarter of a star because it's such an amazing line um but otherwise yeah the main event didn't do much for me this this was certainly better i think if you waited another week and came in and put the main event on in front of me i would think i would never seen it before which <laughs> says something about that film but what it says, I have absolutely no idea. It would take me a while to be like, okay, yeah, and then the Kofi and the cage. That's what I'd have to figure <laughs> out. Um, next week, I think we just decided here on air, we're going to review a Batista film. Yeah. I guess we'll do yes. My Spy. Do you want to do My Spy or Stuber? What's Stuber? What, which is that? He, I have no idea what these films. Again, another Triple H cosplay, I believe, where he he's like a driver is for for somebody this is all i know about the film is i i see him in the trailer like he does a bunch of driving i think they're both kind of like action comedy type films oh god i've just seen the poster for this film okay <laughs> it looks like a real film so sure yeah i'm i'm fine with stuber i'm fine with that okay we're gonna be reviewing stuber starring uh the great big batista next week <laughs> the <Anyway>. great big batista <laughs> Yes, indeed, the great big Batista. <laughs> he's, he's he's slinging sledgehammers, Joseph. I don't know if you saw his tweet today, but the man is slinging sledgehammers. Triple H only wishes he was slinging the kind of sledgehammers that Batista is slinging. There was no sledgehammer in this film either, right? No pedigree or no sledgehammer. Wow, there... no respect for the audience. No, there was a Motorhead shirt, actually. You know when he breaks up the fight between the two kids? One of them is wearing a Motorhead shirt. <laughs> That's tremendous. I love the way he broke that fight up, too. And he was like, she, she, the teacher came over and was like, thanks, sir. And he's like, hang on a second. What? Is he just like a policeman now? What's he doing here? He's just splitting kids up, grabbing them by the hair. He didn't care, man. He was just the coolest guy ever. Just as tri Triple H would like it, right? The absolute coolest man in the world. You're allowed to grab kids by the gruff and, you know, toss them aside, but you can't tell them to shut up, all right? There's rules to this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he did at one point threaten to take food away from them, I think, though. So I understand why she was concerned. Like, he was being pretty, pretty stern at one point, right? That love story really didn't go anywhere. It was just, like, two awkward people trying to... I don't know, get together, but it was very, it was very shoehorned just to allow Triple H to be a relationship guru. I know that this is like very easy criticism and I'll say it a lot, but this did like, it was a genuine example of a film that had too many ideas for how simple a concept it was, right? It should have been, <laughs> it shouldn't have even tried with the ideas deal. There was a lot like half baked stuff in here that made it actually worse because it just left me confused at the end when it became home alone 12. So, I mean, <laughs> It was what it was. You know, they made some errors on the battlefield, just like me, Jeremy, but I got a chance to run it back. And I think one day, when Triple H reaches a certain point in his life, they'll run this back. That's my announcement here, Jeremy. I believe we will get the sequel you were discussing earlier. I really do believe it. Modern Family's over, so Ariel Winter's got nothing to do. Triple H is retired. He'd probably love to do a movie right now instead of NXT. He would get far less criticism. Uh, probably do far better in, in at the box office nowadays as well. Um, I mean, The oh, Simpsons yeah. is still going. I don't know what anybody else in this film is up to. Can you find dollar store Margot Martindale? Is she still around? I don't know. That's a big question. I hope we get the chaperone too. The world deserves it. The silliest thing either of us have said on this podcast is you saying Triple H is now retired. <laughs> he what, is. What Wasn't... a fallacy. Wait, he hasn't wrestled in forever. 
he had a headline this week saying he sees no, he has no plans to retire because he feels great. And I legitimately just closed my social media and was like, <laughs> oh no, oh, it's kind of, he's going to do, look, I don't know. I don't, I'm not going to get into any of this. This is not my time to talk about Triple H in a negative manner. I'm thankful for what he did here. It was a film that didn't make me angry or like totally lost as to why I do this podcast. I enjoyed it. I think you enjoyed it, Jeremy. We certainly enjoyed discussing it. But if he ever wants to wrestle again, that is another another manner altogether. More chaperone, less wrestling matches. That's my conclusion. Final question. What oh. will be longer, Triple H's next match or the chaperone two? Triple H's next match because I think it will be a cinematic experience. <laughs> what if? I'm expecting, after how well they did in the ratings this week or last <laughs> week, I'm expecting one full episode of SmackDown to be a cinematic match between him and Bray Wyatt or someone. And it'll be great. I'm sure we'll all love it. What if the Chaperone 2 is Triple H's cinematic wrestling match and that's how he gives it to us? (laughs) (laughs) Nothing? You have nothing on that? Your audio totally cut. I have no idea what you just said. Oh, I said what if... Triple H's next match is the Chaperone 2. That's how he gives us the cinematic wrestling match. Okay, yeah, that's a tremendous (laughs) idea. I like that a lot, actually. In fact, I wasn't no selling your joke there, Jeremy. I just didn't hear it. I know I like it. I appreciate it, yes. (laughs) We will be back later on this week. Thursday, we will talk about wrestling, whatever that is nowadays. Uh... What are we talking about on Thursday, Joe? What's what's the rundown? I missed the production meeting this week. Um, we're doing an hour and a half on the new Alexa Bliss Nikki Cross finisher that looks <laughs> really smooth and well executed. That's what we're doing, Jeremy. Very excited. There you go. We'll talk about the the modified 3D that Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross did on SmackDown for an hour and a half, and then we'll have to come up with some other topics and figure all that out. Saturday will be part two of the Distraction TEW series draft. Uh, We did part one that is up on the the site right now where we had our top 20 picks each um, for the TEW series that we are relaunching in a couple of weeks. This Saturday will be part two with the the bottom 20 picks. It goes by much faster. This was, I'm going to hype it up right now. It's the weakest of the three parts, but you should still tune in to get the full scope of things. And then in next Saturday will be part three, which is an amazing piece of audio and video as we we get down to some big negotiations, ladies and gentlemen. There there's some blockbuster workings in part three. And everything you knew, you thought you knew from part one and two, it completely gets switched in part three. So be on the lookout for part three in a couple of weeks. And then we'll actually start airing the TEW series as we uh, play through it in the coming weeks. So you can check all that out in, uh, again, Saturday will be part two. Thursday will be our usual wrestling show. Joseph, where can the people follow you on Twitter? Um, They can follow me at Joel Holbert 5. And I must say, Jeremy, I am very, very scared that I'm going to spoil this TW series. Um, (laughs) The chances of us making it to that final release without me saying something that's in some ways a spoiler is very, very low. So if you don't want spoilers, don't follow me on Twitter. But if you are like just accepting that I may tweet something dumb or very obvious imagery, feel free to follow me, Joel Holbert 5. You were getting rightfully ripped on Twitter for how bad part one went for you. I got one positive tweet, and that's more than I usually get for this show, so I'll take it. I did say, well, I must say this much, okay? And this may be a little bit too inside baseball, but I'm going to say it. Pals of mine that are just tweeting my name and not at me and saying Joe got murdered in the draft, <laughs> that is not on. That is not on, and, and it doesn't make it better that you use the hashtag distraction at the end of it like we're some sort of like blockbuster program here. <laughs> Listen, just at me. In fact, DM me if you think I got killed. In- just wait, be patient. The picture gets clearer as it goes, I promise. I need to put up, uh, like they do on shows, the little, in the corner. Yeah. I'm trying to, in the corner over here, uh, hashtag distraction. So if you do want to talk about the show, you can use the hashtag. I'm going to figure yeah, out a like way. You're like live tweeting it. Yeah, I'm going to figure <laughs> out a way to, to blend, live tweet this uh, taped show. I'm going to figure out a way to blend this logo in there on, on all of our shows. I think this would be amazing. 
this is very bad because I'm going to check this hashtag and there'll be like two tweets. <laughs> oh, it'll be nothing. And they'll both, they'll both just be, I've only seen it the one time where someone said you got murdered uh, in the draft, yes. which was the correct take. Um, so, yeah. It gets better. It gets better. I promise, folks. I'm, I've got a plan and we'll get there in the end. I'm certain of it. It's all about what you do with the pencil, Joe. The draft is just, you know, that's the appetizer. It doesn't matter your roster as long as you, when you got the pencil, you can make it work. And and that's what I know Joe is very confident in. For I, I don't know his reasonings, but I know he's confident. Yeah, I have no confidence about the TW execution of my ideas, but my ideas are certainly very good. That much you're correct. I am very confident. <laughs> Ignorantly confident, in fact. Naively confident, but I am still confident. So we'll be back on Thursday and Saturday. You can follow me on Twitter at JeremyLambert88, Fightful.com, wrestling news, audio, exclusives, interviews, all that fun stuff. FightfulSelect.com, sign up so I can afford a haircut. Joe can afford a haircut if he wants one. You get exclusive news, extra audio. And until Thursday, we'll talk to you later. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.